Well, good evening. Welcome once again to a Wednesday evening Bible slot via uh, live streaming. And we do this evening come to the last study in the book of 1 John. I really uh, felt in my own life the benefit of looking at 1 John. Really an encouraging book, uh, especially uh, in seasons of life where we struggle with assurance of faith. So thank you for joining me tonight. And we are going to consider then 1 John chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verse 18 through to the end. But let's uh, just bow our heads. Uh, Let's unite our hearts in a prayer together. Lord, our desire is always to honor you, intention to please you in everyday life, in all that confronts us. And so we do pray again tonight that your word would be of great value to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit at work within us, for your Holy Spirit that has given us this written word. And so open our hearts and our ears. Encourage us, we pray, as we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. So do look with me then in 1 John chapter 5. If you have your Bible, do keep it open with you as we consider... Uh, these final verses uh, from this book. So John writes, he says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And so God bless the reading of his word to our hearts and lives. I've entitled this evening's study, Will You Finish the Race? And I want to begin and introduce this topic tonight by just thinking, getting us to think a little bit about the phrase, life is so uncertain. I typed the phrase in on Google just to see what kind of response I would get. And uh, 171 million responses in comma four seven seconds. Now that tells you something. Many people. Many, many people around the world are wondering about this reality that life is so uncertain. Life is so unpredictable. We simply do not know what the future holds, how the future will unfold. So many, many people are troubled. And I I think sometimes we as believers can be troubled with this uh, uncertainty about the future. It is something that uh, is addressed in the Bible. Uh, Remember James addressing this particular issue in his book, raising this issue in chapter 4 and verse 13 and 14. And very bluntly, he says, now listen, you who say, what do you they say? Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. It's so true. It's so true. 
And so we need to understand uh, even Jesus making a similar point in, in, the, in the parable about the rich fool. The rich man again portrayed as someone who was so certain, uh, so confident about the particular plans that he had for himself regarding the future. He determined, we know the story, I'm sure you've heard it, the parable. He determined to build himself bigger barns, confidently visualizing uh, a retirement, putting his feet up and taking life easy and uh, recorded in the scripture for us that he would be able to take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But Luke chapter 12 verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Life is uncertain. It, it True, there, there, there's a certain predictability about the routine of life. Getting up in the morning, going to work, work being about our business, uh, eating our meals and breakfast, a lunch and a supper, and, and waiting for the weekend and enjoying a Saturday and, and worshipping on a Sunday, uh, delighting, as it were, in fellowship with the people of God. And then Monday morning, we're back at work. And, and so the cycle goes from week to weekend. And there is a certain amount of predictability in that. But it doesn't take away the fact that life remains uncertain. There are things, there are realities that take place. Just, just this weekend, I read of a boy, a senior boy at, at Dale College down in the Eastern Cape, who was injured in a rugby match and, and, and died, lost his life. Uh, I'm sure that he had uh, no thought, no possibility. Those around him, his parents, his family, his friends, had no thought that his life would come to such an abrupt um, end. And so in the midst of so much uncertainty, there's another phrase that uh, I want to remind you of. A phrase that we often use, um, I wish or it would be nice to know. It would be nice to know. Now, I know my own daughter at this moment uh, in her life, in grade 12 at school, uh, keeps on saying to me, it would be so nice to know for certain what she should study at university next year. And, and we have different issues. It would be so nice to know, uh, if you're an older person living off your investments, to know that interest rates would uh, be uh, at a higher rate to, to, to have a, a reasonable or decent kind of, of income. And, and there are many, many other issues that we, we think about, that we're confronted with about it would be nice to know. Well, in our passage today, we are given some confidence about certain matters. The passage actually clarifies some of what I would call our nice-to-know issues regarding spiritual concerns. In fact, I would take it a step further. Nice-to-know issues regarding assurance of faith, regarding eternity. And so my very first point this evening in the study it would be nice to know, will you finish the race? And I have in mind, yeah, the race, the Christian uh, walk, uh, the race of life. Uh, will you be able to say with Paul, he uses the analogy, I fought the good fight, I've, I've finished the race. Are you going to be able to say that as well? I've kept the faith right through to the end, uh, entering into glory, having uh, completed this 
race in the walk of faith. Now, if you think about a fight that Paul refers to or a struggle, uh, both imply, uh, or a fight and a, a race both imply a struggle. It is true that in a boxing ring where you may be fighting, you may be knocked out. In a, in a race, you can run out of steam and simply collapse along the way. You could be dehydrated. And, and, and we do need to know, and I certainly want to affirm that tonight, we do need to know that in this life there are going to be difficulties. We are going to face hardship. Uh, Jesus said it in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have trouble. The road to heaven is not easy. It's not going to be easy for you, and it's not going to be easy for me. There are going to be certain hardships along the way. There will be different hardships. Different people will face different hardships along the way. There are going to be many, many pitfalls along the way. And again, we can identify them. We can categorize them as, as temptations, uh, sin crouching at the door, and all sorts of temptations. They come across our path. They seem so appealing. They, they seem so attractive. They seem so tempting. And, and, and we will be uh, considering uh, in many instances, should we yield to the temptation? Should we give in to the temptation of, of, of that which is presented to us? And it comes in different ways, sometimes very subtly, sometimes very uh, uh, boldly or uh, openly. Uh, sometimes we, we face doubts. We think about things. Uh, people challenge us. We go through different difficulties and it stirs uh, thoughts in our minds regarding our faith because we know that we are saved uh, by faith. And, 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 and so there are these thoughts that sometimes creep in. And, and so how do we overcome those? And then in many other areas, persecution. We, we are living in a context where more and more we are going to be seeing uh, the unfriendliness toward Christianity and persecution that can follow. It's already taking place in many places in the world where, where Christianity is outlawed and uh, persecution occurs. And, and difficulty comes in illness or disappointment or just simple fear and, and then sometimes even in the face of death. And so in the light of that, the question that, that, that I'm asking this, this evening as we look at this passage is, will you finish the race? Will, will I finish the race? Well, there, there are two sources of danger that John uh, specifically uh, identifies in this passage and, and, and at the same time uh, pointing out to us that God gives us the victory to overcome. And so I'm going to look at these two uh, dangers. The one I've called an internal danger. So will you finish the race uh, in the light of the internal danger that is real, that exists, that will uh, be something that you would have to face, that I need to face? And, and what do I mean by the, the internal danger? The, the simple uh, question, the reality is, is will your sinful nature get the better of you and then destroy your faith? You see, in response to this very real danger and struggle, John makes a very encouraging affirmation. Verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Now let's just analyze that verse. 
uh, take it uh, piece by piece, we see here that the true Christian is described as someone who is born of God. The tense, very important over here, sometimes the Greek, not sometimes, most often, uh, more often than not, the Greek tense is very helpful in understanding practical implication. And so the particular tense of the verb is the perfect tense. And, and the perfect tense indicates, and in this particular instance with this verb, the perfect te- tense indicates the action, the verb, which is the new birth, uh, begotten, being born again. The verb is not a passing phase. It's not some kind of flash in the pan experience. It has a lasting result. It endures. This then is reinforced uh, by the tense of the verb uh, sin. Uh, does not continue to sin. And, and, and the verb here is in the present tense. And in the Greek, that implies uh, incomplete action, uh, that which continues. And, and, and so, in other words, implies uh, that there will not be the continuity of sin. There will not be the ongoing habitual committing of sin after sin after sin after sin and never overcoming any sin, never being sanctified, never becoming more and more uh, conformed to the likeness of of Jesus. No, the the believer changes, uh, does not become perfect, does not arrive at sinless perfection in this life, but there's a progress uh, made. Uh, there is a growing likeness uh, to Jesus, to the moral likeness of Jesus. And, and so that, that, that's as a result of, of the new birth and, and this process of sanctification uh, that unfolds. Now, what we do need to understand, and, and just to clarify, this, this uh, expression, this truth is not that you cannot slip into sin, that you cannot lapse into a particular sin at a given moment, a given day. We've seen already uh, early on in the book of 1 John that that does happen, it can happen, and when it does happen, we have an advocate, we have one who stands uh, in on our behalf, the Lord Jesus Christ. But what it does say is that the true believer does not persist habitually in a sinful lifestyle. You will not, as a true believer, uh, have a lifestyle dominated by sinful behavior. So the new birth results in new behavior, and and therefore sin and the child of God don't live well uh, together. Uh, Here's a quotation. They occasionally meet, but they don't live together in harmony. So be encouraged. Will you finish the race? Will you overcome the internal danger? Well, if you've been born again, uh, you can be sure that God will enable you. God has enabled you to overcome and not be destroyed by the sinful nature. There's also the uh, external danger uh, that we need to consider in having to complete this particular race, uh, getting through to the end and, and as it were, entering into uh, glory. And, uh, well, as we consider this, we know that we don't live in a neutral world. Uh, Just my recent message from the book of Exodus made the point that there is a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. and, And the offspring of Satan is in opposition at enmity to the offspring of the woman and and so there will be this uh, constant attack there is satan at work 
uh, we're told uh, by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that you do have an enemy that's strong and subtle, uh, one who comes at times masquerading as an angel of light. Deceiving. People who are being deceived, even deceiving others, used by Satan. And, and you may be confronted, you will at times be confronted with that kind of deception. And then, and then sometimes you'll know that he comes very openly and aggressively as a roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. And he will seek to destroy your face. So there is this external danger, this enemy that is strong and influential. And we're told in chapter 5 verse 19 that, that he has the whole world uh, under his control. This world is, is under the grip and in the, under the dominion of Satan. And, and the word over there, the world lies or the world rests in that state. What's that picture? What's the analogy? The analogy is the world quietly lying, perhaps even consciously asleep. In the arms of Satan. Simply doing his work. The world does not struggle to free itself from the dominion of the evil one. Now can you see? If you look around you in the world and in society at large. Uh, can you see why so many people are so comfortable sinning? That's that's the, the nature of the influence that they are subjected to. The, the world is at peace at killing unborn babies. They speak about uh, women's health issues to try and hoodwink or deceive themselves. But, but, but basically they are, are supporting and promoting uh, the killing of, of unborn children uh, made in the image of God and, and unthinkingly do so. We, we, we see so much looting taking place in our country here in South Africa, both in business and in government, and, and, and so greedy, so greedy, and, and with a straight face and unthinkingly denying that there's anything wrong with doing this kind of thing. Well, they're in the grip of the evil one. Uh, this whole emerging issue of gender identity and uh, sexual transgression and confusion. Well, it simply is an indication of Satan, the external danger that each one of us will confront. And so, so again, we ask the question, will you finish the race? John again makes an encouraging affirmation in verse 18. We know the one who is born of God. Now he's speaking of, of Jesus. The one who, born, who was born of God keeps him safe. We will be kept safe. Uh, the Son of God came in chapter 3 verse 8 to destroy the devil's work. So Jesus knows your enemy is out to get you. He's out to get me, but he's going to protect us. He's going to keep us safe. I love that verse in John chapter 10 verse 28 where Jesus speaks. He speaks of his sheep. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And so there follows another encouraging affirmation. We know the evil one cannot harm him. If you are a true believer, 
You can be sure, you can be confident that the evil one cannot destroy your faith. He will attempt to do so, he will make every effort to do so, but he cannot destroy your faith. This is in line even with Jesus uh, answering the prayer that he taught his disciples. Remember in Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, 13, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. So will you finish the race? Yes, yes. The possibility exists if you can join, uh, as John puts it to his readers in affirming in verse 19, we know we are the children of God. The issue is, are you truly a believer? Have you truly been born of the Spirit? Have you been born of God? And if that is the case, you will indeed finish the race. The, the certainty of faith as we look back in this book, this is just the third point I want to add about will you finish the race, is don't forget that throughout this book, uh, John has been unfolding certain uh, checks, certain ways that you can assess, certain ways that you can search your own heart, examine your life and say, well, hang on, uh, am I a believer or not? And, and I call them different things. I call the first one a lifestyle check. Uh, reference to 1 John chapter 2 verse 4. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And so you've got to ask yourself, I've got to ask myself, is it my tendency? Is it my disposition? Is it my desire to want to obey God? Or am I living in antagonism, antagonism or rebellion? Well, it's a check. If you are one who willingly submits to Jesus, your king, it's an indication that you are one of his subjects, that you're one of his children. Also the relational check. This is another uh, way of, of looking and seeing. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know we have passed from death to life because we loved our brothers. How do I know I'm a believer? I passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. I have an affection. I have a love. For the people around me. Hatred does not dominate my existence or does not describe my relationships. And then there's the doctrinal check. Uh, John chapter 2 verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. There's a submission to who Jesus is, uh, who the Father is, and, and all of course that they reveal and not only of themselves, but also of the spirit and of the work that has been, <coughs> excuse me, that has been done. And so you can be sure, you can know if you are a believer or not. But I want to continue because there is more in this passage uh, regarding the finishing of this race. And, and I've simply put it this way in the question again, why? Why will you finish the race? Well, I remember when we had all our children at home some years ago, four children, uh, at about 6 p.m., 6 o'clock in the evening each night, uh, different members of our family would emerge uh, from their different places in the house uh, and arrive at the kitchen table. They do this, they did do this, knowing that they have had, over the course of years, supper provided at around about 6 o'clock. And if you think about it, uh, ha them having confidence that a meal will be provided every night is based on something 
that has happened. They know in their minds, uh, even unconsciously, subconsciously, that mom and dad are employed. Our workers' parents secures an income, an income that provides for the family's needs. It puts food on the table. And so in a similar way, small illustration on a bigger issue, in a similar way, you can have assurance that you will finish the race because of certain work completed. Work has been done, providing for your future safety, providing for your redemption. We have another affirmation here about the Son of God. Have a look at verse 20 in keeping with what I'm saying. We know that also that the Son of God has come. Don't forget, importantly, Jesus came. Jesus came. I tried to impress this upon you in the last study that the gospel is uh, about historical uh, record. Uh, Jesus came, and we did read in the earlier parts of chapter 5, he's the one who came by water and blood. He came commissioned by the Father to save people from their sin. And so Jesus came into the world to give us knowledge of God and to give us the gift of salvation. So there's revelation and there's also redemption. These, the, 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 this is the gracious work of, of, of what Jesus came to do. And so without him, we could not know God, nor could we overcome sin. But it is possible. It is true. Jesus came historically, the Son of God has come, and He's come, given us an understanding so that we may know Him who is true. There's the experience, redemption accomplished, redemption applied. And again, we see the verbs here are very helpful. Uh, the two, two verbs, He has come and He has given. All right, they, they're in the perfect tense again. Now remember the perfect tense, uh, the benefit of His coming abides, an action with abiding results. And so therefore we can be assured, assured that his coming has abiding results, that which he has given cannot be taken back. Uh, in fact, we read in Romans 11 verse 29, the gifts uh, of and his call are irrevocable. It doesn't, uh, doesn't go back on that which he gives. And then we have this capacity, we are told by John, uh, to know the true God. Uh, let me read the verse. And we are in him who is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is not some phantom. Jesus is not the shadow that we know that there was uh, bread that foreshadowed the manna even in the book of Exodus uh, or, or, or water that, that he portrayed as, as uh, a symbol of, of uh, uh, him, uh, the, the need uh, that we have to drink as, as we thirst for the real significance and, and meaning of life. No, Jesus is real. Jesus is true. Uh, he is the substance. He's the ultimate reality uh, so that we may know the one and only true God. Unlike the world uh, who is in the evil one, which we've now already seen in this passage, do take note that the believer is in God. 
Jesus provides what all men and women desperately need, provided for us to know God, to be rescued from sin. And there's a doctrinal understanding of uh, uniting us being un- in union with Christ. It's a mystical, spiritual union that we're in God. And so be assured, since you know God, since you will finish the race, and since it's because what Jesus has done with abiding effect, you can finish the race. But there is a final comment that John makes in this passage. It will be nice to know, and my third question, what then should you be doing in the course of your life? What should you be doing as your life unfolds? What should you be doing today and tomorrow, next week and and time that follows? Well, as one who has come to know the true God, as one who has been rescued from sin, here is the final word in this wonderful letter. Verse 21. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The worship of idols. The worship of idols. Now, we don't have them manufactured out of wood or gold or stone placed on a mantelpiece or on the shelf. No, but we have them. Anything, anything that is inconsistent or incompatible with the knowledge and the worship and and the allegiance of the one true God is an idol. You are a worshiper, dear friend, as a believer of the true God. So don't give yourself. That's what John is saying at the end of this. Have assurance of faith. It's wonderful to have assurance. It's wonderful to have this this kind of certainty about eternal life in the face of so much uncertainty that exists around us. But therefore, don't give yourself to lesser and useless attractions around you. Worship God. Love God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. Honor God. Live a life worthy of His name. So God bless you. Much to discuss, I believe, from this particular study tonight. Uh, Won't you in your groups, if you are in a group, uh, consider some of these challenges. That uh, inward challenge of the sinful nature. The outward challenge of of the evil one and and the world and and his offspring. Uh, But seeing how we are protected and kept safe. The affirmations made in this particular passage uh, giving us a certainty as to uh, our spiritual well-being in finishing the race. So God bless you. Let me close us off in a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you for the truth of your word the objectivity of it and the enduring value of it uh, in our lives and the lives of others, past generations and also, Lord, future generations until that day when you finally come. So we uh, ask that you would be with us, helping us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, praying for those, Lord, who face particular difficulties at the moment. Uh, Won't you, by your Spirit, encourage and enable each one of us to just pursue uh, looking to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen. Amen.